0: We are live from the Empire of Lies, an oasis of truth, open debate, and anti-censorship in the vast wasteland that is the New World Order order under Joe Biden. This is the Backstory. So we're back. We were off yesterday. I was busy getting divorced, so there was no show yesterday. But, Rod, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Lee. How about yourself?
0: I'm nearly divorced, so take that as well. We, we did what was the last court appearance, so now I'm just waiting for the lawyer, my wife's lawyer, to send the uh, paperwork, and then it's done. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So how am I doing? You know, it's mixed. And on one hand. I'm glad marriage is over. On the other hand, there was some disturbing stuff yesterday uh, in that, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get into it too much, but my wife said some things that I found disturbing, including thinking that I've talked before that my wife and I lost a daughter. About 10 years ago, right, Rod? I've talked about that many times. Yeah, you've talked about that. Now, would you guess that the death of a daughter possibly affected the marriage? Would you guess that? Yes, yeah. Right, because it's obvious that it would, right? So, directly yesterday, my wife said there was no factor at all. And you see why I say disturbing? It, it it indicates to me that she's not gotten over that to the point where she can't even acknowledge it. And that's disturbing as someone who wants nothing but the best for my wife in the future. or not to admit that the death of our daughter affected things in our marriage is a little frightening to me, for her sake. Does that make sense, Rod?
1: yeah it's the uh, stages of grief and uh, one of them is denial you, you gotta get past the denial phase
0: exactly right so I'm not mad at her or anything in fact I just feel a little bad that she's still at that stage. so that's the big news there and that's all I want to say about that but I don't think it's too much because I've talked about I didn't understand the effect that the death of our daughter had on me for years it took me years and took me being in the mental hospital uh, a couple of years ago where a therapist said that's trauma and I said oh wow and I hadn't realized it. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying she's any worse than me or anything like that. I'm saying it's sad that she's not at that point yet. Does that make sense, Brad?
1: No, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and... You know, it's something that that I had to learn about myself. So hopefully she's on the road to learning that about herself. That's probably more of a factor than she wants to admit. But that was my divorce drama yesterday. And the main thing about it was, aside from a couple of minutes like that that were interesting, it was really boring. It was going over our finances, which are, you know, we got nothing, no car, no house, Or anything so it's a bunch of piddly bills does that make sense Rod yeah yeah it makes sense it's not Mar-a-Lago we're not (laughs) battling over our mansion we're battling over a bunch of nonsensical bills and that's kind of but that's settled and I won't take any more court time and time away from the show and that's good because today by the way Rod's put together another great show for us. So, in the first hour, first-time guests from Ukraine. Russell's in Ukraine, right? That's right. So, from Donbass, Donetsk, in fact, Russell Bentley, right? Correct. Okay. And the second hour, we have a segment we recorded for the first hour yesterday with a great Tyler Nixon. It's a pre-recorded segment, but it's talking about. Did you see Tucker talking to the bikers, the Hell's Angels? Did you see that footage run? Yeah, I did see that. Did you think that was great? What What did you think of that?
1: The Hell's Angels, uh, and what he and what he said it was was also uh, pretty interesting as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. We'll be talking about that next hour. But those are who we have on today for guests. And we're taking your calls as usual, 202-521-1320. That's all coming up on The Backstory. So, Rod, obviously, since I was away yesterday, we missed the results of the Donbass referendum. And I missed it, Rod. Was it even close? No,
1: not even close.
0: No, I didn't really miss it. 98% in the two regions, Donetsk and Lugansk. 98%. And the place the referendum did the worst was Kherson. They only got 87% in Kherson. But that's exactly, you know, predicted this Mark Sobota. Mark said it'll definitely be more in. Donetsk, and Lugansk, and definitely less, but still significant. Is 87% bad, Rod, do you think, for a referendum, or is it a clear mandate?
1: No, that's a, that's a clear mandate. You know, that's that's good on a test out of 100, so it that, that looks pretty good.
0: And name an issue in America that would get 87%.
1: Nah, I can't think of one off the pan.
0: No, no, you see what I'm saying? I can't think of actually one either. If you said, you know, uh, parents, name name something. It's gotten so bizarre, I can't make fun of it anymore. With all the trans-athletes yeah, stuff. The
1: prob- yeah, it, yeah, that's the problem. Like, the most craziest thing you can think of. You know, I would think 80, 87% of America would be against it, but you don't even know anymore, you know what I mean?
0: If you said, should we cancel the Constitution... Yes or no? Not even no would get 87%, right? I believe more than 13% of people want to cancel the Constitution. Do you, Rod?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, yeah.
0: I'd say we're lucky if 30% know what the Constitution is. You know, if you ask people, what's the beginning of the Constitution, the preamble, I'll bet a lot of people would say, uh, the beginning of the Constitution, oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light. I'll bet 30% would go with that. Do you think I'm wrong?
1: No, you're probably right about that. I'd go with the over, but yeah.
0: So 87% is a massive win. And what happens? The Nord Stream 2 pipeline and the Nord Stream 1 pipeline are blown up. A terrorist bombing under the sea. Do you agree that there's no other way to call it but a terrorist bombing under the sea?
1: No, 100%, Lee. And, you know, this, you know, this ratchets up the situation. Uh, I don't even know how much do you multiply it by, I don't know, by 10, maybe 10 times uh, well, more dire of a situation.
0: Well, also, did you see what's trending in Twitter in Germany? No, I did not. In Twitter in Germany. Think about this. Trending on Twitter is sanctioned the United States. That's what people are saying in Germany. Because this pipeline was a joint Russian-German venture. And so for us, because I'm just going to say it, the most likely suspect is the U.S. Would you agree with that, Rod? The most likely suspect... Yeah, no, no. uh, On a...
1: uh Yeah, one hundred percent without any direct evidence. But I mean, they've we, uh, they've already said things uh, since Biden's gotten in. I mean, Trump before that, I don't think he was saying anything directly about attacking it. But since Biden's got in, we've had the uh, this administration in their liberal way said that they want to stop Nord Stream to you know Nord Stream both both pipelines.
0: And and Scott Pressler, the persistence. He said something dopey yesterday, but we have Russell about to come on. So when we come back after Russell, by the way, we'll come back with Russell. Then later in the show, I'm going to play a great clip from, believe it or not, Fox News. And you will believe it. Tucker Carlson. I thought Tucker's summary of this situation with Nord Stream 2 was very, very good. Do you agree, Rod? Rod? Yeah, no, definitely. definitely was good to hear some sanity. Yes, and from mainstream media, Tucker Carlson on Fox News is telling you the truth. But coming up next, the great Russell Bentley joining us from Donetsk, a first time appearance, and we're looking forward to talking to him here on The Backstory. We are back in the backstory and on the radio in Washington D.C., the capital of the Empire of Lies. We're on 105.5 FM and AM 1390. Joining us now, from the, now, I is 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 it? It's not officially Russia
2: yet. Um, we we have not. Well, actually, I voted yesterday. It was the last day of the four days of voting for the referendum. Uh, As a uh, proud and patriotic member of the citizen of the Donetsk People's Republic, I was happy to vote in the affirmative for Russia to join the Donetsk People's Republic. But it hasn't been done yet officially, but it's coming. It's guaranteed it's coming, man.
0: No, and Russell... It's the first time i on the show, and we appreciate having you on. So thanks for coming on to the Backstory. But do you have the accent that is typical of citizens of the People's
2: Republic? Um, no, I wouldn't say that I did. Uh, I speak Russian not all that well, even still after uh, being here since 2014. But, um, you know, I, I, I speak Russian with the Texan accent. So that's a, a known fact. Some people like it. Some people maybe less.
0: (laughs) No, so no, that that was setting you up. Tell your story. Tell you. Tell us how someone is it a Texas accent? We're in Texas, approximately.
2: Uh huh. I was I was born in Texas in 1960. Um, I grew up during the time of the civil rights movement, the Vietnam War. I lived in Dallas when JFK was murdered. Um, wow. I was three and a half years old, but I remember it. And uh, so I, I, I grew up with kind of a different perspective than than most people uh, in the United States. I didn't watch a lot of TV. Uh, I dropped out of school pretty young, but uh, eventually got a GED. Eventually went to uh, college and got a degree in sociology, and um, just. Always was kind of the black sheep of the family and kind of a, a different perspective from most people, you know. And when growing up, you know, I mean, understanding like as even a teenager, like 12, 13 years old, this is during the time of the Vietnam War. You know, and I would, you know, my favorite thing to do was to go to the library and read. And so, you know, I'd go to the library, I'd, I'd check out books by uh, Che Guevara or Ho Chi Minh and I understood that there was, a, you know, a lot of people in the world didn't see things the way that, you know, people in Dallas, Texas did, you know. And so, you know, growing up, I I kind of always was, you know, feeling on the side of the underdog, you might say. And And growing up, you know, I mean, throughout history of the last 60 years, I'm actually 62 years old now. But, you know, I saw what happened in Vietnam, you know, I saw. I was in the U.S. Army, almost ended up going to Grenada, you know, when uh, Ronald Reagan sent, uh, you know, the 82nd Airborne in to, you know, save the school, the the medical school children from the uh, in, in Grenada. You know, I mean, you know, I, I saw, you know, Yugoslavia under Clinton be destroyed. Then it was 9-11. Then it was Afghanistan. Then it was. Iraq, then it was Syria, then it was Libya, you know, and, and understanding, you know, I, I, I saw Wesley Clark, General Wesley Clark, you know, make the statement about, you know, in September of two, of 2001 saying, oh, it's worse than that. We're going to go, we're going to attack seven countries in the next five years. And all those countries on, on the list that Clark said, you know, They've now been attacked by the United States, you know, and and by NATO. And so when when Maidan happened in in the beginning of 2014, uh, I understood when I saw Victoria Nuland there handing out cookies with Ambassador Jeffrey Pyatt on the Maidan to, you know, neo-Nazi killers, you know, rioters that were murdering cops there unarmed, the Berkut, you know, uh, Kiev police that were unarmed. They didn't have guns. And they were getting murdered, right. burned by Maltovs. And when I saw that happening, I understood that again, just like, you know, they had just destroyed Libya a couple of years before that, murdered Muammar Gaddafi. You know, um, I understood what was happening, and I was just I was I was too fed up with it. I was, I became you know, I won't say ashamed of being an American, but I came I became I understood that the people who own and control the US government were the real enemies of humanity and that what they were doing was truly diabolical and evil and I decided that I just couldn't, you know, sit there and, you know, hit the uh the sad face uh emoticon on Facebook anymore. I had to do more than that. So, I I told my family and uh In June of 2014 that I was coming to Donetsk to fight against the Nazis, the real genuine, not far right, not nationalist, not neo-Nazis, the genuine Heil Hitler Nazis that the U.S. put in power, I decided I was going to come here and fight them, and I did. And in December of 2014, I was was in Donetsk, and uh, I got to Donetsk on the 7th of December. On the 14th, I was in the Army. December 31st, 2014, I was on the front line with the AK-74 uh, at the Donetsk Airport. Very, very, very heavy fighting. And uh, and I've, I've done my part since then to defend Donbass. And who defends Donbass defends Russia. And who defends Russia in the 21st century today defends the future of humanity against the real enemy of humanity, which is led by the people. And I'm not saying the people of the United States. I'm saying the people who own and control the government of the United States, which is not the people of the United States.
0: And I think you identify this. You know, what I think is I'm a patriot, but America moved away from me. America moved away from its values that it once held and this country's unrecognizable to me we're on the side of the bad exactly. guys constantly right
2: right Russell I agree completely with that in fact when I first got here you know uh, the uh, military intelligence when I when I went to join Vostok battalion you know they said okay but first you're gonna go talk to these guys and it was it was uh, some very serious tough guys. And they asked me, you know, I mean, they grilled me for like a whole day, you know, and one of the questions they asked me, they said, do you consider yourself to be a patriot of, of the United States? And I said, hell yeah, I do, you know, and, yeah. and I do to this day, you know, I defend and believe in and still support what's good about America, which is not right. as much as it was a
0: that- that fought the Nazis. We fought the Nazis in World War Two, but then we joined up That's with right.
2: them after World War Two. That's right, right and Russell? you know, I mean, we 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 fought them, you know, as allies of the Soviet Union, the Russian Soviet Union, you know. But right. and it's a simple fact. You can look it up. You know, Operation Paperclip, Operation Gladio, after the Second World War, the U.S. CIA, or back then it was the OSS, under the Dulles brothers, you know, they they brought yes. thousands exactly right. of really terrible Nazi war criminals to the United States. And those Nazis along, were some of the along guys... Along with the British. Because you,
0: know, you can't talk about the history of CIA and the OSS without the British. And the British were involved in bringing Bandera over from Ukraine. Right,
2: That's Russell? That's exactly right. That's exactly right, and you know, and understand that both the U.S. and the British were very involved in putting Hitler in power in the first place. You know, not and the I'll, people I'll of the U.S. Else,
0: and- well, I was going to say, and do you know who else didn't like the British? All the founding fathers, every founding father, they did not like the British because we were a colony. And Ho Chi Minh pointed this out. Ho Chi Minh thought the U.S. Would be on his side. You read it Hull. I think you know that, of Russell. Course.
2: Right? He wrote the right. letter to uh, Roosevelt or Eisenhower. That's
0: exactly right. Yeah, preach, brother. Go
2: ahead. I mean, so you understand that. I mean, uh, you know, people were crying so much. You know, the funeral of Queen Elizabeth on that very day, September 19th, the Ukrainian Nazis bombed the center of Donetsk with a 155 NATO High Mars artillery shell and murdered 13 people that were just standing in line to get some lunch from a, you know, like a, uh, the Russian version of a taco stand or something. And, and well, man, and, and, my and, and job Russell, as a, yep. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, so I heard you talk about this story, and I was listening to it. It was very moving to me. And I said to my girlfriend, I'm fighting for Russia. I'm fighting for the good guys. I am not on the side of the bad guys. And the story that you told, I want you to retell it for our audience. You were at, you went to the location of that cafe that was blown up. And you've been mm-hmm. in the military. I I assume you've seen some hairy stuff, brother. Right?
2: I been have, I have. And, and really, but, that was, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I can hardly say that it was one of the worst days of my life. Really, it probably was the worst day of my life. And I tell you, man, I mean, I went there, and it was like, it was like a butcher shop, man. I mean, there was literally, you know, chunks of people hanging, you know, off of 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 the destroyed metal of this thing. I mean, it was, and and what was even worse. It was that you know, and generally, I mean, ninety-nine percent of the time, I never ever show like you know the bodies and the gore and stuff of these you know, you know, many many intentional terrorist attacks by the Ukrainian Nazis against the citizens here. You know, they 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 target civilian areas. You know, and, was
0: there was there know, any military value to that target? Whatsoever,
2: none Any whatsoever. In, fact, close. in what, in fact, and you know, and this is like where you know it really starts getting into you know the really deep understanding. Okay, so the the place it was called the Baku Komissariat, and it was a, a an area. It's like a big roundabout. There's a like an outdoor market there. You know, some grocery stores, banks, and stuff like that. And it was a just an area of the city, and it was named after a bunch of martyrs from the Russian Civil War. 102 years ago, like 30 uh, Russian red Soviet commissars were were executed on September 19th, it was it 19th or wow. 29th, 19th, and... So this, this this roundabout, this neighborhood is named after in, in honor of those guys. And a yes. hundred years a so- hundred and two years later, the U crop Nazis on the same exact day bombed that area. You understand? So I mean you, you know, it starts getting into where you have to say, Well you know, really, you know, the Masonic or Satanic or whatever it is. You know, I mean, that's what it was. There was zero, zero military value to that target, man. There was no no army. I mean, it was, I mean, it's too crowded with civilians for there even to be a place to set up an artillery gun or or even, you know, a, a camp of, you know, soldiers or something. You know, there was zero military, you know, and the worst thing about it was, is that, okay, so in this case it was so horrific that against my general principle of showing like dead bodies and pieces of bodies and stuff like that, in this case I'm like, I have to do it. The people have to be forced to see what is being done, you know, on the orders of the U.S. uh, with the weapons of the U.S. and NATO to innocent civilians here. So I made these like really terrible videos and my wife is the one who adds the subtitles she's the one that like edits the videos so she had to see it too man I mean it almost brings tears to my eyes just right now just to even tell about it you know that she had to see this stuff and it was I mean you know you understand that they they target the the Ukrainian Nazis are intentionally murdering they're they're terrorists they have ISIS, you know, head-chopping, you know, jihadists are already here. Already, I mean, they've been here since 2015, working with the Ukrainian army against the people of the DPR that I have been defending since then. I mean, you know, we've heard English on the Ukrainian military frequencies since 2015. We've heard Arabic, you know, since 2015 on the military frequencies. And I'm saying... I personally have heard it, you know, so, you know, the CIA that created Al Qaeda, that created ISIS uh, and who who created the Ukrainian Nazi Kiev regime, you know, it's all the same. And I mean, and and literally it is the battle of evil against the future of humanity and Russia is not of evil. Right. Russia. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that Russia is angels. I'm not saying we're perfect or anything, but I'm saying that, you know, we're not on the side of Satan. We're not on the side that. OK, there's two sides in this war. And there's one side that intentionally targets civilians. There's one side that tortures and murders prisoners of war and makes videos and publishes it. There's one side that says Heil Hitler and Slava Bandera. And there's one and there's side
0: one that doesn't. Side, well, let me add to that. There's one side who wants to kill the basis for Pink Floyd. Does
2: yeah, that make exactly. any sense? Well, I mean, uh, dude, I was, I was in a press conference in Moscow a couple of weeks ago for uh, beginning of September against this, uh, Meritz the death list, um, yes. website. That's yes. That's and on the website. It says based in Warsaw, Poland and Langley, and Langley. Virginia.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. It,
2: right? And that's exactly also, what it says. And, I mean, and that's the thing, these Nazis, so, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, it's, it's just like building WTC7, bro. They don't even hide it. They not only don't hide it, they 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 rub it in your face. Now, you speaking understand? of not hiding, the you thing that's it. in the yes. headline
0: now, let's get your reaction on this, Russell. By the way, appreciate your story. Thanks, brother. Uh, it's an amazing story, and it's something I identify with because when I went to... Uh, Beirut, Lebanon in 2013 as the start of the Syrian war. Everybody I talked to, not one person said anything different. Everyone said, why is the U.S. backing Al-Qaeda? Why is the U.S. backing the Salafis? Everyone I met, not one person said, well, the U.S. is backing the rebels, the freedom fighters. Everyone knew <laughs> what they're backing. And I assume... Your experience is the same thing. You know, it's very fair of you to say that Russia may not be angels. But on the other hand, have you met anyone over there really who does not know what's going on? They know the truth because they're there, right, Russell?
2: Of course they do. I mean, you can see it in the results of the referendum that we just had, man. I mean, in in Donetsk and Lugansk, you know, over ninety-eight percent voted yes. In uh, uh, Kherson and Zaporozhye, it was less, and that was because, you know, in fact, I mean, I mean, first of all, it's because there's been, you know, the most concentrated, heavy-duty brainwashing propaganda for more than thirty years in in, in Ukraine. Uh, by the CIA, by the MI6, by the West, but also because in those areas people are afraid. Because, you know, and I'll tell you what, I'll also admit this Russia has screwed up in this special operation, very seriously screwed up. And hopefully this, uh, you know, I mean, and for honorable reasons, you know, I mean, we came into this thing saying, OK, we're going to minimize uh, infrastructure damage. We're going to do we're going to even, you know, risk and even lose the lives of Russian soldiers in order to minimize the death. You know, as Americans call it, you know, their trademark collateral damage. You know, yes, we went in to this to minimize that. And and it cost us a lot. And it it cost us militarily and. So now hopefully the most important thing about this referendum is that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the basis, the legal you know, international law basis for uh-huh. Russia to declare, you know, declare war on Ukraine because re- Ukraine is a genuine Nazi terrorist regime and and it needs to be declared war on. And the fact that the West is arming and and sending billions of dollars to them, I mean, you know that Russia has the right to declare war against every country in NATO, including the United States.
0: Well, well, let's talk about the new headline. But is you, in my impression of Putin—tell me if this is your impression—and it strikes you as correct. People forget that Putin is a lawyer. He was a lawyer with the KGB. And lawyers are very methodical. And I think Putin often wants to do things in a way he's sure he has a legal basis to do it. So the law sometimes moves slowly. I should know I'm going through a a divorce that's taken two and a half years now. But, uh, you know, that's just an example. The law moves slowly. And I think Putin moves the slow way A lawyer who wants to make sure he's got every I dotted and every T crossed before he goes to war. Does that strike you as accurate, Russell?
2: Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, for me, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin is, you know, the greatest statesman on earth today. You know, I mean, yeah, possibly uh, second only to the most holy man on earth today, which is Hassan Nasrallah. But other than that, Vladimir Putin, you know, he is, I mean, you know, every, you know, every, you know, but president. Or,
0: I, I understand why people get impatient with him. Most people don't have the patience of a lawyer. Does that make sense, Russell?
2: Yes, yes. And I mean, and so, and I understand. So Putin is a lawyer. I consider him to be the greatest statesmen of on the earth today uh, you know every other you know western leader all of them combined come up to about Putin's toenails ankles at best you know I mean and you look at Joe Biden I mean and how can an American citizen not just simply lay down and die from shame that a, a degenerate senile criminal I, I, Corrupt, yeah, yeah,
3: corrupt,
2: is, is, is the representative of their country to the world today. I mean, and it's not that, you know, I mean, and if Biden was deposed by whatever means tomorrow, you know, Kamala Harris is even worse. And then the third in line is Nancy Pelosi, which is even more sickening to think of. You know, I mean, but, but Putin, by the way, Russell, he is a lawyer. You know,
0: we got to get you out of and here on is, time. I want to make sure I get your comment On the bombing and attack of the Nord Stream 2 pipelines, both of them underwater bombing. Do you have, how sure are you on a percentage basis that the U.S. was involved in that bombing? I'd say I'm about 95%. And I don't have Joe Biden admitting it exactly, but we have him close to admitting it. How sure are you that the U.S., is behind those bombings.
2: I'm 100% sure, and I can say that only an idiot, only a coprophage, you know, someone who eats excrement could even question who it was. Who else has the technological ability? Who else has, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, uh, Sherlock Holmes or, or, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, motive, weapon, opportunity. Who has the motive? You know, the West and NATO. Who has the weapon? How many people do you know can put a 100-kilogram uh, explosive charge, you know, 500 meters, 1,000 meters under the sea? You know, it's not like it was, uh, you know, some some punks from Pravi Sector or something. Then this is an act of war. And it's not an act of war against Russia because, you know— as it has been seen by these sanctions, you know, since the beginning of this year, Russia doesn't need to sell their gas or their oil to Europe. But what it has done, it has cut the throat of the European Union, the countries of the European Union now no longer, even if they stand up themselves against, you know, their American Nazi masters and say we're going to we're going to make peace with Russia they can't anymore i mean they can still make peace but they can't get oil and gas or <clears throat> and gas through this nord stream pipeline it's been destroyed multi tens of billions of dollars worth of you know techn- you know of industrial equipment was ruined forever and this is an and, act and of war
0: it was it was not only russia's it was germany's and the us did this to an ally
2: <clears throat> right russell yeah, they exactly right Exa- i mean they did it not just to germany but to all of europe R- europe now has has lost you know the main way that it could have saved itself if the people of europe as i guarantee they will this winter stand up and overthrow the lapdogs they're you know they're rulers you know that are against russia and say you know we want to survive that's our most important thing which this year is going to be this winter is going to be very terrible for europe and it's because the people there i mean and there's a lot of good and brave people there that have been against it all along but their their masters just like in the united states you know have 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 sold out the people of their countries, the people that they're supposed to protect and represent. They've sold them out, you know, because of the orders of the people who own and control the United States government. And I'll tell you something: the people <clears throat> of the United States the United States need to understand this. What the United States government has done around the world, what it has done in Ukraine. What it's doing now in Europe, it is also doing to the people of the United States. Russia is not the enemy of the people of the United States. The enemy of the people of the United States, the enemy of humanity, the future of humanity, is the people who own and control the United States. And those people, they're genuine they're the Fourth Reich. They are the 21st century Nazis. And they should be treated as such. You know, remember... Great point. No. Well, remember- now Russell
0: Bentley, we're almost out of time. And i got to get you, you out of here on time. So, in the last minute or so we have left, please talk about mm-hmm. what you saw firsthand during the referendums.
2: Um, okay. So, I mean, and of course, you know, As always, it's the exact opposite of what is reported. I saw, I don't know, some European was saying, oh, yeah, they forced people to vote at gunpoint. That's a complete lie. Um, For three days, we had people that came and knocked on our door of our apartment in the center of Donetsk. They said, hey, you can come outside and vote for the referendum. You know, this is because people went door to door to vote because it was under danger of Ukrainian Nazi US backed shelling. And so they came door to door. They knocked on the door. We said, no, 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 we're going to vote later. Three times they came. We just said, no, we're going to vote later. They went away on the last day of voting. The fourth day, you know, I put on my military uniform. I went down to vote in a school. You know, I went in there, you know, there, you know, there was no armed soldiers forcing, you know, there was the private voting booth. The, the, the referendum here was much, much, much more honest and accurate and real than any election in the United States in, you know, in the 21st century. I'll say that right and there,
0: man. I'm Russell Bentley. Thanks so much for coming on. And obviously, we'd love to have you back on anytime you want to come on, Russell. So you're welcome All to right, come on. the Just backstory. drop me
2: a line, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do it every day, man. I love the good also- people of the United States, and you know I'm in it. I'm in it for all, all for for everybody, you know. And you know hey. Americans need to understand who their enemy is. It ain't Russia. Good luck to all good people. May God protect the innocent, and may the rest of us get everything we deserve. Davai.
0: And may God bless you, Russell. Thanks so much, and keep up your great work. And we'll I'll be back in the show real soon, buddy. Great Job, Great Appearance by Russell Banley. Coming up next, we'll have more Tucker Carlson talking about the Nord Stream 2 bombings. Coming up next on The Backstory. Back in the back and I want to thank our great producer, Rod, who booked Russell Bamley on the show. That was a great appearance by Russell Bamley. Very excited about it. Rod, what did you think?
1: I thought I thought that was great, Lee. Um, that's why that's why I booked him.
0: Yeah. Great job and thank you for booking him. He was a great guest and let's let's get him back on again soon. I like his energy. He's high energy. You know do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, now I want to play something for anyone who's depressed about the media. Let's point out that this went out on Fox News, mainstream media, heard by millions of people. And I think that's a very good sign. Let's play the clip. Tucker Carlson talking about these Nord Stream 2 terrorist bombings. Hit it.
4: Tuesday evening on a grim note, but one of the environmental catastrophes, one of the great environmental catastrophes of our time, is unfolding tonight off the coast of Denmark. The Nord Stream pipelines, which are enormous Russian-owned conduits that carry natural gas from Russia to Western Europe, have been breached. As we speak, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 are pouring millions of cubic meters of natural gas into the Baltic Sea. Pictures from the air, which you can now see on your screen, show a toxic bubble field more than half a mile wide. You can only guess at how many marine mammals are being killed right now, countless. But the lasting damage may be to the atmosphere. Natural gas is comprised of up to 90% methane. Methane, as Joe Biden has often told you, is the key driver of global warming, which is, of course, an existential threat to humanity and the planet. So if you're worried about climate change, what just happened to the Nord Stream pipelines is as close to the apocalypse as we have ever come. So the question is, how did this happen? And it turns out it was not an accident. At the very same time that leaks in these pipelines were detected, Swedish officials recorded two powerful undersea explosions, each one of which was equivalent to hundreds of pounds of TNT. Nothing in nature can account for that. Almost immediately, the pipelines began leaking in three separate places. So there's only one explanation for what happened. This was an act of industrial terrorism. That was very obvious to the prime minister of Poland, and he wasted no time in saying so. Watch. Today, we are also dealing with an act of sabotage. We do not know the details of what happened yet but we can clearly see that it is an act of sabotage, an act that probably marks the next stage in the escalation of the situation we are dealing with in Ukraine. We can clearly see, he said, this was an act of sabotage, an act of terrorism. Well, yes, we can see that. So the question is who did it, and of course, the prime suspect is obvious, it would be the same man who caused domestic inflation here in the US and stole the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton, that'd be Vladimir V Putin. The Washington Post got right to it. Putin, they declared, is now weaponizing the Nord Stream pipelines. According to the Canadian ambassador to the UN, Vladimir Putin has decided to use, quote, pollution as an act of war. Progressive Twitter strongly endorsed this conclusion. Putin did it. And that makes sense until you thought about it for just a moment. Vladimir Putin may be evil, they tell us that he is evil, but is he stupid? Probably isn't stupid. And yet, and here's the strange part, if you were Vladimir Putin, you would have to be a suicidal moron to blow up your own energy pipelines. That's the one thing you would never do. Natural gas pipelines are the main source of your power and your wealth and most critically your leverage over other countries. Europe needs your energy now more than ever with winter approaching. If you can't deliver that energy, then countries like Germany have no need to pay attention to what you want. You're in the middle of a war, an all-hands-on-deck war, so you need all the leverage you can get. Under these circumstances, there is no chance you would blow up Nord Stream 1 or 2. Not now, obviously. In fact, it's so obvious that even our famously dim Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, seemed to acknowledge it. Sabotaging Nord Stream, he said today, is, quote, clearly in no one's interest. Right, but really only half right. It is true that blowing up Nord Stream does not help Vladimir Putin. He would not do that. Why would he? But that doesn't mean that other countries wouldn't consider doing it. They would consider it. And we know they have considered it because at least one of them has said so in public. In early February, less than three weeks before the war in Ukraine began, Joe Biden suggested on camera that he might take out these pipelines. Watch.
3: If Russia invades, uh, that means... Tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. But, do,
5: but How will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control,
3: we
4: will. Uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Notice how he phrased that. And he's the president. doesn't phrase things by accident, particularly when he's reading off cards. He didn't say, I will pause the delivery of gas from Russia to Germany. He said, there won't be a Nord Stream 2. We'll put an end to it. We'll take it out. We'll blow it up. How will you do this? He was asked. I promise you, we will be able to do it. They thought this through. And yet those watching, very much including us, didn't take Biden seriously when he said it. This is the president who has declared climate change the most pressing emergency in the history of the world. This is the man who lectures you about using a wood stove or driving an SUV because of its emissions. This is the guy who spent billions trying to mitigate cow flatulence because methane. Would that guy really blow up a methane pipeline in the middle of the Baltic Sea? It was hard to imagine. That would be an unimaginably reckless act. That would be the kind of thing you would do if you wanted to start a nuclear war. It would be insane. And yet, in retrospect, it's obvious they were thinking about this because Joe Biden wasn't the only person to suggest it. Toria Newland at the State Department said pretty much the very same thing. Newland is a lifelong war cheerleader. She worked to bring about the Iraq invasion, never apologized, kept going. She helped engineer the coup that overthrew the Ukrainian government some years back. So capable, clearly she's capable of anything. But environmental terrorism? Even for Toria Newland, that seemed too much, too extreme. And yet here she is in January. With regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies. And I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. One way or the other will stop Nord Stream. Now, looking back, those words seem chilling eight months later as natural gas pours into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere. So you have to ask, could the Biden administration really do something like this? We can't say for sure. We don't know for sure. We can tell you that close allies of the Biden White House believe they certainly did do it. Radek Sikorsky is a Polish politician. He's chairman of the EU-USA delegation in the European Parliament. He's connected. He's also the husband of regime stenographer Anne Applebaum of the Atlantic magazine. Sikorsky is so close to Joe Biden that he's got a picture of the two of them together in his Twitter profile. So when the pipelines blew up, Sikorsky responded immediately. And here's what he wrote. Thank you, USA. So once again, did the Biden administration really do this? It's hard to believe. Given that it's an atrocity... It's effectively an act of terrorism. We don't want to make that accusation. But we should tell you that, maybe not coincidentally, today, a brand new pipeline was unveiled. A pipeline that carries non-Russian natural gas in roughly the same area as Nord Streams 1 and 2. This is called the Baltic Pipe. It was inaugurated in Poland. It will carry natural gas from Norway through Denmark to Poland and other countries nearby. And it's likely to do very well since now it has less competition. Making sense? What does the White House say about this? How are they accounting for what happened today? Well, they're not exactly enthusiastically denying responsibility for it. Instead, they're looking at the upside. Here's the president's publicist noting that the destruction of yet another energy pipeline is yet another opportunity for you to buy an electric car.
6: Uh, As you all know, these pipelines weren't pumping gas into Europe at this time. Uh, NS2 was never operational, as you guys know. NS1 has not been operational for weeks because uh, Putin has weaponized uh, energy, and we have said this many times before. This
5: just drives home the importance of our efforts to work together to get alternative gas uh, supplies to Europe and to support efforts to reduce gas uh, consumption and accelerate true energy Independence by moving to clean energy
4: economy. Oh, moving to clean energy, say the people who very may well be responsible for letting methane into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere at a scale that most people can't imagine. The people lecturing you about your SUV may have blown up a natural gas pipeline and created one of the great catastrophes of our time and its effect on the environment. If they did this, this will be one of the craziest, most destructive things any American administration has ever done. But it would also be totally consistent with what they do.
0: So Rod, do you agree with me that is an A plus report by Tucker Carlson? I could not have made it any better. I don't see what is missing from it. Rod, what did you think?
1: No, that, that was definitely great by Tucker. And um, it should be on front page of uh, every mainstream media, and it should be the top story.
0: But it's not. But no matter, millions of people heard that last night. So God bless Tucker Carlson, and even God bless Fox News for airing that last night. A bit of truth in the nation, the empire of lies. Let's take a short break, and we come back with more backstory. From the Empire of Lies We're back for the second hour Of today's episode Of the show that brings you the truth Behind the news It's The Backstory So once again I want to thank Russell Bentley for a fantastic appearance If you missed that Go back later and listen to it Fantastic Appearance by Russell Bentley From Donetsk And then playing a fantastic Segment by Tucker Carlson On the terrorism that is apparently backed by the U.S., they're the most likely suspect for blowing up the Nord Stream 2 pipelines under the sea in a huge act of international terrorism. And we'll be talking about it here on Backstory. And coming up, a great pre-taping segment with Tyler Nixon talking about Roger Stone and a good appearance also by Tucker Carlson, speaking at the memorial for the head of the Hells Angels, Sonny Barger. So, And if that makes no sense, listen to the clip and see if you don't agree with what Tucker's saying. But that last piece, again, I'm gonna say there's an A-plus report on the Nord Stream 2 disaster. And if I had done that report, I'd be very proud of it. Do you understand, Rod? I would say we did a great segment on that but it would not be heard by millions of people. What do you think the effect is going to be that millions of Republicans are clearing are hearing the clear truth without saying without the dumb stuff. You know normally on Fox News I would worry that if Hannity days that segment he spent half a segment saying well Trump warned people Trump warned people that Germany shouldn't be dependent on Russian oil, even though this was natural gas. I saw the guy from Persistence, Scott Pressler, and I I don't dislike Scott. I've dealt with Scott a little bit. I like him. But did you see his dumb tweet about this?
1: No, I didn't didn't see his tweet,
0: Okay, he said in a tweet, Trump warned uh, uh, Germany not to get dependent on Russian oil. And now, Uh, Russia's cutting off energy supplies. And they said they've they've made, the sanctions have made Russia rich. So Biden has supported Putin's invasion of Ukraine. He, He literally said that, this guy, the persistence. In an attempt to save Trump and defend anything he says, he's saying Biden paid for the invasion of Ukraine is that dopey or what, Rod? Yeah,
1: I think that's a definitely a bad take by Scott on that, and um, I still think you, you know people like him. He's uh, connected, but uh, he's not connected enough to know the the, the full truth on this. Uh, I think uh, maybe you know he should come on or listen to uh, some some shows on the uh, on radio, on Spudnik Radio. To
0: well, feel get- feel free to bring him on. He's he's met me in the White House. I've talked to Scott, and I like him. So feel free to try to get him on the show. But that's a dopey statement. He's just completely wrong. And Tucker didn't say, did, did I miss it? Did he say one thing that I should disagree with in that segment, Ron? Uh,
1: no, I didn't find anything. They said, uh, you know, I think uh, it's back to the usual suspects. And, um, you know, it, it more than likely it's America who has something to do with this.
0: Because he's right. Biden and Newland's statements saying one way or another, basically. Does that make sense? If I if I say to you, one way or another, Rod, I'm going to keep that dog of yours quiet. And then you find your dog is poisoned the next morning. I'm suspect number one. Am I right?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure, especially with Victoria Nuland and the F, the EU, uh, so she could care less if people are going to freeze and die. I mean, she's right there with Hillary Clinton. Uh, you know, we came, we saw they died, so she could care less.
0: And let's go to calls now. 202-521-1320. The great Owl Killer is on with us. Owl Killer, how you doing?
7: Hey, man, I thought the owl got you yesterday. I was like, oh, no, he's not on. I wonder if something happened, but uh, I'm not happy. No, it's- it was the
0: second marriage got me, but okay.
7: Yeah, I'm not happy to hear that it was a stressful day. But at least it wasn't the owl. Well,
0: but, and at least it's over. I say this it was a full day of boring, mostly stupid you know, bickering about minor stuff, most of which I lost. But uh, I did not lose on the legal fees, however. She owes a lot more on legal fees than I do. So, small blessings. But anyway, Al Killer, enough about my personal life. Go on.
7: Now, I don't think people have, like, grasped the gravity of this. Europe just got reset. So, Indeed. Did. Indeed. And when the natural gas runs out, because you know, some countries are, have some stockpiles of it, when it runs out, they are officially reset.
0: Now, retaliation- well, I forgot... Forgive me, Al Killer. I forgot to tell Rod the stupidest thing that Scott said. He said, Biden canceled the Keystone pipeline, but he promotes the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. First off, Biden did not promote it. As we see now, I think he bombed it. But also, the Keystone pipeline, do you know what that was scheduled to run through the Keystone pipeline? Al Killer, do you know offhand? I believe it was what, 2030 or
7: 2025?
0: And it was oil, right? It's an oil pipeline. Yeah, I saw that on your uh, Twitter. Nord Stream Two is a natural gas pipeline. Right. They're two different pipelines. So Nord Stream Two and Keystone have nothing to do with each other at all. But go go ahead.
7: No, but they both burn. That's all they know. So, I, I right as as funny as it is to like laugh at the left. I mean, the the, the right is as bad with being um misinformed with stuff um actually i won't say just as bad but you you have and you know that guy has a platform too that's a crazy thing and people listen to him
0: um no i, I- but that, that's why tucker you know if henry forgive me if henry had done that segment he would have said biden should have blown stuff sooner the republicans take is just that Republicans would have been tougher. Well there you go. You got what you want, GOP. You got what you want, Sean Hannity. Biden committed an act of terrorism against an allies and Russia's property. Are you happy now? Was he tough enough for you, Sean? Was that tough enough for you? But you see my frustration, right, Al Killer?
7: Well they well they definitely but I mean that they won't they wouldn't be happy unless you know that they sent the Death Star to uh you know, drop a ray on on, on uh, the Kremlin. Um, you know, but uh, getting back to the gravity of this, when there is retaliation, and there will be retaliation, maybe we we'll are reset too. And the Great Reset, it, it already accomplished what it needed to in terms of Europe is done, it's over. And I, th- I think it's noticeable that it happened after the Italian elections because don't think Italy's the- going to be the only country. Sweden. Uh, this, I mean, Stockholm. The Stockholm syndrome comes from Sweden, and the the Swede elected a a right a right wing populist. It's going to happen.
0: I'm pull, I'm pulling for Orban. I want Orban to step up and say, "Screw you, you." Does that make sense, Al Killer? He,
7: it would, but he doesn't have. You know, actually, I, I take that back. So the the EU. The, there's too many cultures and too many different ways of doing things, and that's why Germany will always be at the helm because for all their problems in the past, they work like no other, and they're smart, they're sharp, and they really work hard compared to – they produce stuff, and a lot of the other countries in Europe don't. And it's not – ha- if they have their own laws and their own currency and stuff where they can manage what, what they want to manage – they would be okay, but a country like Germany is because of their um, their industry and because of their manufacturing and their technology, they're always going to be the leader over there. And I just don't think Hungary can compete with Germany. But I think enough countries, like you saw with Brexit, you saw with um, the you saw what just happened in Italy, you saw what happened in Sweden.
0: But was having Germany on your side right now? I'm serious about this a neuter germany that has no industry is of no value to anyone do you see what i'm saying this is going to kill german industry and manufacturing that is over and i do not think germany has the power it once had over hungary and people in the eu need to realize the eu nato is not a suicide pact you don't have to go along with the suicidal moves of the U.S. and Great Britain. And that is what they're doing. Owl killer, i got to move on because we're short in time. But thanks for the call. We'll hopefully talk to you again tomorrow. The great owl killer. 202 1320 Tarif in New Orleans. What's on your mind? Thank you for taking
3: my call. First, I'd like to say, free Did you want to sign? I have four comments. First comment is this. Now, for Prime Minister L.B. B. Bancy from Australia to uh, free journalism science, because the, the the talk of nuclear war is now on people's tongues. Now, I heard I saw just saw a 14 minute clip from Joe Rogan pro podcast today. We spoke to David Smith about what's going on in Russia, and basically the truth came out on his show. We're heading for nuclear war. Everybody's starting to talk about it. Alice McCurris is is you know he's upset because the Biden administration is basically running buck wild we need somebody that basically to come out and basically put a um, uh, uh, the brakes on it by you know exposing the, the deep secrets and Julian Assange is the one so al and and abc need the freedom man my second comment is um okay th- this is this our october false flag it finally happened um the um Russia now is forced to have to got to take Odessa so they can free up the, the Napa River, excuse me, the um, Danube River so they can start sending up gas through that river on those ships to um, uh, Serbia and Hungary so they can be so they can free themselves and also Bulgaria can go either way now. Um, my last comment: since those Russian generals and the Ukrainian generals spoke together on the phone yesterday. What the Russian, the Ukrainian generals have to do, they have to start giving out those positions of those Nazis on a battlefield. Those ends of the time, white sector, um, uh, bandera rights, the GPS coordinates to get them off the battlefield so the Russian Tu-95s can start dropping bombs on them, right? Because they're acting as blocking units. They are preventing the Ukrainian troops from retreating. So those blocking units that's in Western Ukraine, I mean, Eastern Ukraine, need to be removed. And the Russians are the ones can do it. Thank you for
0: taking my Good point. Thanks, Sharif. Great call. And let's go to a short break now. And when we come back, we'll take Ingrid and a quick call. And then we'll go to Tyler Nixon with a great segment talking about Roger Stone and about Tucker Carlson addressing House Angels. It'll all make sense. Let's take a short break on the backstory. And we're back in the backstory and on the radio in the Empire of Lies on 105.5 FM, AM 1390. In fact, Rod, you know how I go out in front of my apartment every day with a sign that says, Impeach Biden? Have you seen those pictures on Twitter and on Instagram of me out there?
1: Yeah, you post it right after the show.
0: Right, that's right. Go on and sit there. So my girlfriend went next door to the local copy place, and she has a copy of Alex Jones's new book, The Great Reset. And we asked them to blow up the book because I wanted that to be my new sign—just a giant copy of Alex Jones's book. Makes sense?
1: Yeah. Can I can I can I jump ahead, Lee? Yeah. <laughs> without go ahead. even without even knowing the the facts, can I guess that they didn't they didn't want to do it?
0: They didn't want to do it, and they said copyright. And I I told my girlfriend call him back and say. I'm a friend of Alex Jones, because I am. And do you have any doubt that Alex would give me permission to have a blown-up copy of his book? No,
1: I, 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 I would bet that even if you had Alex Jones call <laughs> to this copy place, they still wouldn't do it.
0: That's what I think, too. And I don't have a printer that goes that big. But who knows? Maybe I can get one. That would, sure, piss them off. But don't you think that, that would be a very effective sign to just hold up a big copy of his book and just see who honks their horn. Rod, what do you think?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure, Lee. And uh, it's it's kind of sad that, uh, you know, I would think it would be more freedom in South Dakota and wouldn't be uh, so much a, a part of the group thing. To like, no, 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 we can't we can't even do our job uh, printing out something with Alex Jones because he's a, you know, he's a he's a he's a school shooter denier.
0: I told you my girlfriend, Danny, went to Barnes & Noble, and she she got it there, but they did not have a copy on the floor. And when she asked about it, the girl went in back, and she found four copies in back. Think about that, Rod. They, a best-selling book, they did not want to sell it. Does that make sense?
1: No, that, again, it's just it just— uh Unfortunately, it just uh, reinforces what I think uh, we we're we're heading into or where we're already at, and, and you know, just the thought of Alex Jones uh, is is a crime. So you support Alex Jones, and uh, I support Alex Jones, and so we're criminals, you know, just just
0: for supporting yes. him. And God bless Alex Jones too. So two hundred two five two one thirteen twenty. Ingrid, we're short on time, but I wanted to get to you. What's on your mind, Ingrid?
5: Well, good to have you back. If you're going to be talking about Roger Stone, I know you're friendly with Roger, and I know you've said uh, cautious things about Randy Credico, but yesterday Randy was in the studio with John Kiriakou and really did a fabulous interview about uh, the Assange case and other cases and what he's doing with his billboard truck. I was very, very impressed with the depth of his knowledge And he characterized Roger as a showman. I don't think you would deny that. And he also listed cases in which Roger had claimed to be significant in them and actually had nothing to do with them simply because he was trying to bring attention and promote himself. So I I highly recommend I think this was the first half of the second hour of John's show yesterday. It's a it's a very very interesting interview and it, it I'm not good with names and my memory's getting bad but it uh, goes into this
0: Well and, and I'm not going to do that because I my personal experience with Randy Credico has all been positive. I've interviewed him a number of times and I like Randy, but the fact that he went for whatever reason against roger stone when roger stone was facing charges that i believe were totally false and randy participated in that i believe randy was under pressure so i'm not even trying to demonize him but it would put me in an awkward position does that make sense ingrid
5: yes what would put you in an awkward position to listen to the interview
0: talking to him at all
5: talking to him and even you mean you've talked previously I i don't understand quite okay
0: well he he went after roger in a way when roger was on trial on bs charges randy went along with the idea that roger had threatened his dog for instance which randy knows that's not true and he knows what was going on there so i can't support that kind of thing but i i'm not going on my way to criticize Randy. It's an awkward situation. Mm. But I, I'm. I, I'm I, I've am i not. I personally enjoyed having Randy as a guest. In the past. But I would not want to do so in the future. Does it make sense?
5: He's sure. And I agree with you. I, I now have sort of personal evidence. That Randy is indeed under a lot of pressure.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and I. I. Appreciate John Kiriakou having him on because I'm in favor of freedom of speech, but I'm in favor of freedom of speech without wanting to get myself, you know, because I'm friends with Roger, what Randy did was crossing the line. So I don't want to shut him up, and I'm glad John had him on, and I'll recommend people listen to that and make up your own mind. Because of relationships I have with him, I just can't do it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, so is there any new Assange October news? Any news on that event, Ingrid? Well, you can share with us. The
5: the new news keeps piling on. Uh, Scott Ritter is going to speak, and uh, the real news is probably going to be filming this. It th- this just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and I guess that's good. So.
0: Yeah. That's it. No, so that's good. Anything that gets, and you enjoyed our interview with Joe Lauria Monday, right? Oh my gosh, it was fantastic. Yes, it was excellent. Yeah, Joe, I really admire Joe, and uh, appreciate him keeping Robert Perry's legacy alive. Now let's go. We got about a minute left, right? Command Central. Okay. So coming up, this is an, an, a a pre-tape segment we did with the great Tyler Nixon, who's often a guest with us and a co-host on Fridays. And I heard something that Tucker Carlson did. It was a memorial to Sonny Barger, who was the leader of the Hells Angels Oakland Division, starting in the late 50s and throughout the 60s. And I thought it was so cool, I sent it to Tyler, and he immediately responded. Because the other connection here is the Grateful Dead. Tyler and I are both deadheads. And uh, Tucker Carlson is a deadhead. And the dead had close connections with the Hells Angels in the 60s. And largely because he talks about it a little bit here, uh, represents a rejection of authority. So not backing their criminal activity. But the rejection of authority as such, I think it's worth listening to. Let's listen to Tyler Nixon in a pre-hippity segment. Hit it. And we are very happy on this pre-recorded show to be joined now by the great Tyler Nixon fan of the show, right, Tyler? I'm not Absolutely. making it. Absolutely. And we're yeah. a fan of his, and he's an esquire. Are you not, Tyler Nixon? I, I'm an esquire. I'm a counselor and an attorney.
6: Yes, indeed. Did you, know you know the difference? So, an esquire is someone who knows the law and applies it in their life. In their life, you know, they're sort of a, a gentleman esquire. Um, a counselor, obviously, is someone who gives counsel and, and advises people. People on the law, an attorney is someone who not only is an esquire and a counselor, but also speaks for and represents someone else. And a lawyer is just a shyster who makes money off the legal system. <laughs> yeah. So, which one are you? I'm an attorney okay. and a counselor.
0: That's good. So, so as we were getting ready for a show, I suddenly saw Roger Stone's name trending on Twitter. So I looked into it, and it's a bunch of January 6th BS. Are you <laughs> of aware of what's going on with Roger? I'm not. In fact,
6: uh, let me pull up and see. Uh, you know, you never know. I, it was Alex trending uh, a couple days ago. It's, uh, you know, Tim Pool trending. I mean, it's just like they they have their target du jour, it would seem, in the uh, blue check mafia. Lauren Bobert. they were trying to get a uh, – she's, she's a congressman out here in Col- – congresswoman, excuse me, here in Colorado. What a, an amazing lady. They had her. Uh, Lauren Bobert is du- is really dumb or something hashtag and they they had that almost trending. Um, but let me see. Roger is. I mean, could, or is there anything? I mean, everything's manufactured, so you never know what they're going to come up with next. It's
0: Manufactured again. What have you learned? Whenever they bring up Roger Stone, I've learned it's a ruse. Tyler? Here's the thing.
6: He has always put himself out there. Um, but he, he's never, he's never held an office. So he's like a true political strategist operative who, uh, you know, runs exclusively in that world. He's never worked within, I, I think he worked for, um, Bob Dole briefly in the Senate on the Senate side. Um, but you know, Roger's always been basically a private actor. I mean, he's in the public eye, but he's not hes not paid by government. He doesn't hold an office. He doesn't have a, a franchise, a sinecure within the government. So I think what it is is um, it, it leaves him exposed because you notice that the people they go after, the people they went after in the Russian collusion hoax, none of them were within government. It was all outside actors who didn't have any particular uh, title, had not held some kind of title. It was like – Okay, who are the people who are not currently in the White House serving? Who we can go after the highest, you know, level? So it was like Manafort, Papadopoulos, obviously, um, um, Carter Page. Uh, Carter Page, exactly. Uh, Roger being, you know, the foremost, um, and and now you look Steve Bannon, same thing. Um, so I think it's 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 odd. It's almost like the government cult. You know, if he, if they'd appointed him, you know, the postmaster of of bum, bumbleweed florida probably <laughs> he would have he they might not have gone after him for some reason but but he's he's a totally private actor um you know private person um or non-government person um and he, and he also obviously roger like i said is uh roger's a sensationalist um and he's also a sort of a controversialist in that uh the topics he brings up are the are the hot buttons so um and I think they also feel like they've, they have they knew that they wore him down with the two-and-a-half to three-year Russian collusion persecution that they threw at him, which was like a, a really malicious afterthought. I mean they were shutting down the special counsel's office, and then suddenly, literally two months before they, they closed their doors, he's indicted at the last minute. Me, and that drags out for
0: another almost two years. Let me point out that he's going to be basically the last person – they present at this January sixth kangaroo court, so once again they pull Roger out as the finale. Have you noticed that
6: yeah well uh, that yeah unfortunately i well it, the thing is last time you know he against the, the advice of at least my advice, and uh probably not realizing that the rules had changed or they had changed the rules and they were operating on a different, uh, different plane, I guess you could say in terms of like what their, their malicious and, and uh, their malice was in terms of going after him. He thought he could go in and testify and basically just kind of uh, dance around the essential questions, not realizing that they were going to literally twist everything he said into phony contrived charges. So this time he was, smart to just go in and plead the fifth and leave and not say a damn word to them and protect himself bannon did not do that and you can see the results i think i think more it's gonna be more like bannon would be the 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 um trophy head on this round i think i think they know that um there's not not much to be gotten out of roger at this point i would hope I would just leave him. They can, you know, obviously the the social media mob, left mob, is gonna is always going to go after him. They hate him almost as much as Trump. They hate Trump. And uh, so he's, he, you know, they'll beat him up on anything they can come up with whatsoever. But they have so little this time. Uh, unfortunately, I think in the last round, Roger, as I said, he was, caught, I don't think he realized how, just how um, malicious their intent was. So he sort of walked himself into it. Um, and this time though there's nothing, literally nothing so they would have to just manufacture it out of whole cloth and I wouldn't put it past them but you know, they, they, let's put it this way if they had anything resembling enough to be a, a quote smoking gun or something they could even whip up into any kind of charges or sort of connection or they just, whatever it is they're looking for they would have already had it and done it
0: I and mean, it's how been almost two years do you view these six hearings? In general, specific, not you know, focusing on Roger or anyone specifically, but the broad concept of hearings about this. Do you consider that dangerous, Tyler?
6: I think it has it. it yeah, it's kind of one of these. It's not I call it a double edged sword, but it, from a constitutional and a institutional perspective, it's a travesty. It sets terrible precedents. It's a totally one-sided, literal kangaroo court with absolutely no opportunity. I mean, I heard Jamie Raskin fulminating, defending Ray Epps, but also saying about how no one's has has, has uh, laid a glove on all the evidence and all the you know all the testimony and and supposed facts that were brought out by the January sixth. No one's laid a glove on it. Well, you haven't let anyone with a glove on anywhere near it. So let's start there. It's, it's a joke. I mean, it's honestly, um, it is a completely uh, engineered, uh, controlled, excluding any any. And that's how thin it is. That's how thin it is. They can't even withstand the most basic sort of questions being asked by anybody about it. I mean, that you know, you knew right away when they excluded any Republicans as or. As Jamie Raskin, who's who Adam Schiff Jr. at this point, um, said basically, like uh, they wanted to put insurrectionists on the committee or pro-insurrection Republicans, and you know, Speaker Pelosi wisely rejected that. real you know, give me a break. I mean, it was just their 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 sophistry, their manipulation of the entire narrative. Um, is it truly peak um, peak deception? Peak. Uh, gaslighting disinformation whatever you want to call it and i think the committee is it's going to stand as it's well i mean see the thing is it's tough because they, they repeat again they repeat the lie enough a, a significant number of people are going to believe it or just going to you know you get the the, the, the again the mob reporting uh, or, or all they need is just that surface level talking point to 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 just pile on to anybody and it doesn't matter. You try to you try to explain it to them. You try to break it down for them. You try to educate them. They're having none of it, and they're just going to continue screeching, insurrection, and you know traitors, and, and and so like you know the Democrats plant their fetid seed or their they, they, whatever um, uh, prime their their little stink bomb, and then they're screeching, squealing mob uh social media and um sort of outside front group mob amplify that and then embellish upon it so it becomes you know it's not even just i mean look at look at Matt gates as an example you know he's he went he was he was the victim of a Uh, you know, an attempted extortion plot, and he has to be cleared of, like, some sort of human trafficking charges. And yet there are people who like, oh, you see, he just got away with it. He just found it. It's like, give me a break. No one is innocent until proven anything with these people. You're guilty, uh, and you cannot be proven innocent
0: in their minds. Unless your name is Ray Epps. We talked about that (laughs) earlier with Jason Goodman. How significant do you find it that the Democrats... Do not want to hear anything at all about Ray Epps. Oh, I mean,
6: they were at peak with, with between Raskin and Sheila Jackson Lee sitting there with this phony high dudgeon and umbrage. I, we will not stand for this being, uh, the, you know, the memories of these people, blah blah blah, blah who died there and suffering PTSD. And you is mean, they're at peak uh, peak de- deceit peak disingenuousness, peak partisan. uh, I mean, if if you want exhibit A of how disgusting and what disgusting and uh, what's the word, Um, the the artifice of these lies, how uh, sort of, it's just amazing how they can stand there and Push a complete line of garbage as they do with such intense passion and to look down their noses and accuse Republicans. I mean, this is how they could take literally Ray Epps, who is, would be the single most obvious. Um, Uh, inciter, whatever you want to say, uh, um, you know, advocate or whatever, vocal person actually calling for what they claim everyone else was supposedly plotting to do. First of all, they call, you know, we don't want to hear these conspiracy theories. Um, Excuse me, your whole insurrection narrative is a conspiracy theory. So let's just start there. But then they, they claim that, you know, the, any possible federal involvement is a big conspiracy theory like every like every trope they have is on on full flying colors and their disingenuous hypocrisy and just the the arrogance with which they drip this um what's the word I'm looking for it's it's like someone who is just a i mean it's so phony and it's sickening and yet they're so you know, chest beating about it it's like my god these people are really psychopaths To sit there and defend, I mean, they don't even see just the total pretzel logic of now they're now a poor Ray Epps, yet grandma, who just happened to walk in, wasn't out there saying, we need to go into the car. She just happened to walk in. She's still sitting in a gulag in D.C. It's like poor raps. How about – okay, hey, hey, Raskin, why don't you apply your poor whatever scenario? If you're all about Donald Trump, then release all these freaking low-level people who are rotting and having their civil and human rights denied to them in some some squalid D.C. hellhole Democrat-run uh, uh, concentration camp there and release these people. poor Epps. Give me a, if poor Ray. Epps, what are the, what do you say of all these other people? But no, it's used the Proud Boys and this and that. I mean, these people, they are just the most diabolical deceivers that this country has ever, if not the world has ever seen. I mean, they're on level. And for them to talk about Nazis or fascists, they are. They would make Goebbels jealous, you know, of, of this level of of disinformation, misinformation, deceit, uh, gaslighting. Of um, contrived, complex, wo- highly woven, refined, and repeated, uh, regenerated lies, and and uh, you know n- how nuanced it is, and how deep it goes. It's really, it's it's appalling. But yet, everybody sees it, and it's kind of like the old Clinton sort of. Uh, Clinton's want everyone to think they can lie straight to everybody's faces, and they know they're lying. We know they're lying, and they know that we know that we're lying, and we know that they know that we know they're lying, and yet we've all got to somehow accept it as the, like Hillary Clinton is—that all cute when she jokes about having destroyed evidence and defied subpoenas and all this stuff—and it's just, you know, we're we're at a point where it's not a matter of a double standard or disparate treatment, and they are at war. With half of this country at minimum, if not the Constitution itself, this is war. These and, and to try to put it in terms of, well, this is not fair. There's there, you know the standards. There's no standard. They will do or say anything to achieve victory and retain power. I mean, they're waging war, and that's all it is. And they don't care. That's why they feel totally unrestrained to say anything they want, and to I mean, it's just and they're dangerous at this point. And yet the country is. First of all, it doesn't I mean they're so deep into their psychosis and their dysfunction, they don't understand that nobody gives a, sh- a shoot about January sixth, which was a one-day event, whereas you know we have a literal ongoing criminal conspiracy and a crime syndicate of racketeering, corrupt. Uh, politicians and front groups and who are running, I mean, so many just panoply of corruption and theft and like abuse of process, abuse of power, and it runs so deep, and they think nobody sees it, so which is kind of, you know, either that or they just, I mean, I think it, it bodes well for us, it speaks well for us, because to me, if they had any foundation on which to stand, that they could you know yeah we hold power now for real and nobody can touch us and we're invincible they wouldn't have to resort to all this lunacy and ridiculous uh you know just crazy uh busting down people's doors and trying to intimidate people you know this sort of honestly candy ass nonsense that, that they're dabbling around that that people are just more and more appalled by and frankly just sick of generally because people know if they'll do this to any of these republicans who whether you like them or not are, are not criminals. Are not people who warrant this type of uh, uh, this type of heavy-handed jackboot treatment. While literal, real, violent thugs are just lo- on the loose throughout American cities, uh, nobody's being fooled by this. I mean, so they're re- deep into their delusion, which means we're you know it's dangerous in the sense that anything could happen. I mean, they could they could they will try anything in terms of power. But at the same time, it's their last gasp. And once, once, once the spell is broken and they are, they are deposed uh, from power, I think things will change very rapidly.
0: Now, I, it is disgusting, and it is hard to take. So I thought I'd play a clip that I thought was pretty cool. This is Tucker Carlson speaking in a memorial recently for Sonny Barger, who is the head of the Oakland Hells Angels. Let's play this clip. Hit it. Tucker Carlson. I I flew from Maine to be here, which is at the other end of the country. Um, and I flew for two reasons.
4: One, I'm from California. I grew up here. I'm 53 years old. So I remember a different state. I almost never come back because it makes me sad. And standing here with all of you, reminds me of the state I grew up in. I haven't smelled cigarette smoke in the state of California in 30 years, and I'm just so grateful to smell it. So thank you for those, and I'm not joking at all. So thank you to those of you who are smoking and persisting. Thank you to those of you who are going to the Stockton Gun Show in two days. God bless. I can't believe they still exist. I can't believe this California still exists. And I'm just really happy to see that it does. When I was was a child, I lived in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego, so the, the whole coastal range of the state. And we'd be on the I-5 in the station wagon, and we'd hear this noise. And every vehicle on the I-5, if you're over 50 and lived in the state, you know exactly, would get to the side as these chopped ape hangers, you know, these hard-tailed bikes just come roaring up, and everyone was just... It intimidated <laughs> everyone on the freeways. the Hells Angels went by. But in a respectful way, and I thought, those guys are cool. And at the first opportunity I had... When I was 19 delivering pizza, uh, I bought a 1971 XLCH, and the reason I bought it was it had no juice box on the handlebars, and I remember the bikes of my childhood, which had no... I mean, obviously, they had mechanical brakes, not hydraulic brakes, and I just loved the handlebars and the Hells Angels bikes, so you inspired me in my choice of motorcycles. I'm still a fan, but that's not why I came. I came because I never met Sonny Barger, but when he died, his letter to his wife and friends was released. My college roommate, was also a Harley-Davidson fan, sent it to me. We'd always been fans of Sonny Barger. But I didn't know what his personal views were apart from representing the club. And the letter, if I can just summarize it for memory, was Always stand tall. Stay loyal. Ah, which may be emotional reading it. Stay loyal. Remain free. And always value honor. Stand tall, stay loyal, remain free, and always value honor. And I thought to myself, if there is a phrase that sums up more perfectly what I want to be, what I aspire to be, and the kind of man I respect, I can't think of a phrase that sums it up more perfectly than that. And. That came from Sonny Barger, the famous outlaw biker that every mom in my neighborhood was scared of as a child. that that's, that's Sonny Barger's worldview. Why aren't we hearing that from the people who run the country? Why is it left to Sonny Barger to say, stay? tall, stay loyal, remain free, and always value honor. The President of the United States should be saying that every single morning as he salutes the flag, but only Sonny Barger is saying it. And I thought to myself, I want to pay tribute to the man who spoke those words. And when I was invited to this funeral, I cleared my schedule and I thought, I don't care how hard it is to get from Maine to Stockton. I'm going and I'm here and I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me and I hope that you continue to represent those views. Amen.
0: I immediately thought of you, Tyler, because you know Tucker someone, and I thought, how cool was it that Tucker said all of that? First off, I think that quote from Sonny was great. What did you think?
6: Yes, it was. And it's basically just saying the essence of what America. What has built America? What has made America? What has distinguished America from the rest of the world in our politics? That there has been a a sense of uh, devotion to something other than oneself, which the current crop of leftist Democrat charlatans, have no concept of. It's all about them. They're totally narcissistic. And and for Tucker, and interestingly, I thought about Jerry Garcia, yes, um, <laughs> who played played the uh, an Angel's Wedding in about nineteen seventy five, I think, or six, um, out on a on a boat, basically in the in New York and I think at the harbor there, um, or maybe along the river. But I mean he was one of a very few he and uh, um Bo Diddley, I think it was, um, were musicians and and John Kahn and the rest of the Jerry band who were, you know, Privileged to be amongst, in other words, the the core of the Hells Angels, um, uh, you know, power structure, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I thought that for Tucker to go, you know, this this. I mean, and Jerry was a hip dude; he was like a you know a musical legend in his own right. Tucker is totally. I mean, you couldn't talk about more opposite of the world of the Hells Angels. And certainly, look, I mean, nobody's uh, the Hells Angels. It goes to show you that. You know, as bad as 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 bad in some of the crimes and stuff they've been involved in over the years, or some of them have, and sort of the underworld aspect of it. But I don't think it's ever been like anything like like say mafia level. Maybe it has, but that being said, when they can be held up as as having more honor than our current political system and anybody in it, I mean, what's that tell you? How far this system and, the, and these people have sunk? Where. Hell's Angels have more honor than you people.
0: Well, also, listening to Tucker, I was struck again by how much she genuinely loves and misses California, the dream <laughs> that California yeah. once had. Does that make sense, Tom?
6: Absolutely, because I'm right there with him. I remember the State Bar of California. My father moved out there in 1990. It's always been a dream. I've always, when I first visited there, I was like, wow, this place is amazing. The weather. The, the Sort of the, the feel of everything, just the the, the the culture that was there, and it has been totally destroyed by petty, tyrannical, top poly, political parasites, and it's sad. And it really it's, – because it's a beautiful place that's run by horrible people.
0: And it's all people with D's after their name.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the R's are – what are the R's worth? Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, right. God love him, but you know Pete Wilson was no uh, you know fire breathing. I mean Reagan was the best that came out of that. I mean you had Reagan and Nixon after that. I mean it's uh, you had successively more wishy washy uh, Republicans, but um, you know there's, there are there are a few good ones. I think Daryl Ice is not too not too horrible.
0: Speaking of which, Tom, let me ask you: We've not talked about it before. What's your short take on Richard Nixon?
6: Oh, I think Nixon was um, a first of all a complex figure. Who had all of the uh, sort of pathology, pathologies of your typical politician, which is that um, you know he's sort of he's very um, self-aware, self-conscious, and I think a little thin-skinned, maybe. Um, but unfortunately, Nixon for Nixon, it was all out on display. He didn't have; he was very awkward, and he he didn't have the personality, he didn't have the sort of. The, um, he was truly an intellectual, and a genius, frankly, and a brilliant man. And a very thoughtful man uh, who has been totally mis- mischaracterized, mischaracterized. Um, I mean, I listened to his interviews today. I'm like, my God, if we had one politician in, in the bunch, that I mean, the whole crop of them aren't even worth uh, uh, 10 minutes with Richard Nixon in terms of the depth, the insight, the study. The, you know the, how much he paid attention, and really, really devoted himself and dedicated himself to the life of this country. And unfortunately, I think you know he was always the odd man out, and and that led him to have to. Resort, I think. To first of all, I think he was always had an inferiority complex, particularly going up against the Kennedys. God, who would run a run? Who would ever want to run against John F. Kennedy? I mean, one of the most articulate, handsome, you know, I mean, the golden boy of all time of American politics. but Richard Nixon ran against him, and you know, God bless him for that. And uh, and Nixon was done dirty, frankly, by the people he thought. He could he could tame and deal with in the, in the intelligence community, but they just you know they backstab anybody, including Nixon, uh, who I think sued for peace and wanted wanted the right things for this country, but was dragged into the uh, the politics of the era of Lyndon Johnson, who is who is again I mean Lyndon Johnson I mean Richard Nixon is a a priest is a Monsie is the Pope compared to Johnson who is just a repulsive degenerate criminal psychopathological murderous racist monster from hell and you know what's funny is is racist and despicable and low-life and deceitful and treacherous and greedy and uh, dishonest disloyal that is this man was he truly is in my opinion the epitome the the godfather of the current day democrat party he may not have been of that of the of his time, but he stands to me as like the what they have become and you know it's it's in uh, and, and race race racialist race baiting willing to use them but behind his back uh, just a total racist himself you know he said I'll have those those enters voting democratic for the next 200 years and, and there's no question about that I mean the man. And that, I'm just scratching the surface. I mean, if you get into what Phil Nelson has has found out and uncovered about this, he is the most evil, diabolical, horrifying monster and ever you th- to be in that position. Do you think position.
0: Watergate was a setup? Do you think Nixon was set up for Watergate?
6: There's no question. And like the Qu- like the Kennedy assassination had all sorts of interested parties with different agendas being played out. With Dealey Plaza happening, so did Watergate. You know, you had John Dean trying to cover up his criminal tracks and his mis- misdeeds by sucking Nixon into this, you know, suckering him into the cover up. And Nixon, they act like he was trying to cover up somehow his own crimes or the the, the misdeeds. He was trying to protect the presidency and that's that i mean people don't understand that like he was so thought we cannot like i'm trying to trying to get peace with the soviets i'm trying to bring peace i'm trying to end vietnam he was facing you know matters of life and death for many people and still against these two two uh, you know china is an emerging entity but but obviously russia as a superpower a nuclear superpower who were hardball uh and he was trying he had so many such higher he talked of peace, his he had the the ideals that the Kennedys claimed to want to want to pursue. Um, but the Kennedys were skilled at being ruthless, backstabbing, uh, you know cutthroat politicians, whereas Nixon wasn't. And nobody was watching his back, and he didn't know to watch his. He didn't know how to surround himself with the types of operators, operators and operatives that the Kennedys did. and unfortunately, he paid the price for it. He set himself up. I mean, they walked him right into it. Uh, you know, cause I mean, honestly, he, when he would fulminate about, you know, making the enemies lists and things like that, that was just ventilating, you know, that was not, he never was serious about that because if he really wanted to, he could have sat down and believe me, set up programs and implemented and tapped people. He would just throw it out there. And like, I think he thought that's probably how it worked with Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy didn't have to sit down and order, you know, vote buying in West Virginia or pay off this out of the other necessarily. He had Bobby to do that, but it happened. And, you know, Nixon had no one to do that for him, uh, and his guys were too literal, I think, in many ways. And um, and as soon as he started sort of, um, again, going astray on the anti-communist aspect, you know, he wasn't like Curtis LeMay. He wasn't going to bomb them into the Stone Age or even Goldwater necessarily. That was the end of him between the Defense Department and the, and the CIA. And as soon as he mentioned the Bay of Pigs thing, well, that was like, yeah, forget that. I mean, I, mean, I think it, as soon as he went head-to-head with Helms— they, you know, they they were like, well, you know what? Gee, uh, I mean, it's just, and it shows you the level of the insidious um, sort of um, underhanded um, cunning of the CIA, the way they carry out their plots. You know, they they. <laughs> Oh, these are just hapless burglars that you know happens to be entirely a CIA operation. As though these guys were just sort of for hire, and oh, they dabbled in the CIA. No, these people were hardcore, and for them, the CIA was like more than just a lifestyle or a life or a career. It was like their oath, their like fraternity, their family, their mafia, like a mafia level type of uh, fealty, and they basically just they didn't care. It, it took down Richard Nixon. And, you know, and they had Dean. Dean was who was just, again, pursuing his own if you, the White House call girl aspect. I mean, all it's, just, it's a degenerate sort of is what, uh, you know, Mo Dean being uh, hooked up with these prostitutes that would service. You know, the, I mean, D.C. was a dirty, dirty place. I, I've, I remember I read it, I think it was a Jack Anderson book. That came out maybe in the late 50s or something. It was called like DC Confidential or something, and it almost read like fiction, like Pulp Fiction, but it was real. It was a just what, like, what a dirty uh, at the at the lower levels, how how you know dirty deals happened, and how prostitutes and everything, you know, booze and you name it, I mean, all these vices that these these uh, these uh, politicians engaged in. It was like a like a, a Disneyland for corrupt well, degenerates. I also um, find
0: it fascinating that. The place for gay assignations in the 50s and 40s was Lafayette Park, right across from the White House. Did you know that? Uh, yes,
6: yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Isn't and that
0: weird? It is. It's like the whole place,
6: again, again, it was like so seedy, really a seedy place. I mean, you know, you think, oh, you know, the, I mean, there, sure, there were men of stature, I think, who kept things on the level. But for the most part, beneath the surface, I mean, they were a bunch of, I mean, it was like... It was a Jekyll and Hyde almost kind of thing. You know, you pull the you pull the the uh, you pull the the skin back or whatever, and it was like ugh, underneath it. Another great book is Fishbait um, by uh, the Doorkeeper of the House um, under from literally from the nineteen thirties in the Rayburn era. Uh, a guy named um, Malloy, I think it is. Oh, gosh, I have the book. I'm looking right at it. It's a it's a great book. I mean, it really you you are taken right into the corridors of power and how things ran and how you know what what how the speaker you know ran everything and how the committees were so uh, you know and there was a certain level of like scandal beyond which you were done if you uh you know like wilbur mills i mean he was appropriations chairman but but you know he got into these peccadilloes uh and one little one little extramarital affair with any kind of you know uh, lobbyist or play uh, you know whatever. And that was it. You were done.
0: And thanks once again to the great Tyler Nixon for doing that pre tape segment of this. So, Rod, you listened to that. What did you think about Tyler?
1: I think it was great to hear that from Tyler. Uh, you know, he, he laid out a lot of great things over there, and uh, definitely the the history of Lyndon B. Johnson is laid out for the Democrats and how it's living out now.
0: And I like the fact that Tucker was in... I, I'll, I'll put it like this. My downstairs neighbor is a biker. I know I'm I'm not a bike rider because I'm blind in one eye. And my friend who owns Harleys has told me, I've said, I'd look really cool on a motorcycle. And he's like, you'll die. I'm like, but I look really cool. And he said, you'll die. I'm a bike rider. You cannot be blind in one eye and ride a motorcycle. So do you think I would look cool dead, Rod? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Okay. So, but... I have friends who are bikers and tough times the, the Hells Angels are some bad hombres. My friend Doug Hunter was a Hells Angel. They're some bad hombres but I would say tough times call for some bad hombres and if ever a time has needed bad hombres on your side it's now. Agreed, Rod? Agreed, agreed. Uh, okay, so we'll be back tomorrow with more great stuff. Tell your friends Tell your neighbors, if you like what we're putting down, like us on social media on The Backstory.